I'm just so excited. I'm super amped up to be here. Uh, we started the church about five years ago. And uh, after this service um, is over, we have a pastor's pizza party. Uh, uh, there's, uh, there's probably childcare or something. It's probably childcare. Um, so come afterwards if you've never met us, never gone through Next Steps. Even if you've maybe gone through it in the um, uh, summertime, you just want to hang out with us a little bit, we would love to see you. And we would love to hang out and talk to you just a little bit about the church, about an hour long, and you get pizza. Like, I got to think about it. You got to think about that? Um, all the guys are like, you had me at pizza. Um, so anyways, just come out. We'd love to um, just talk to you a little bit about the church and... Uh, don't worry, we don't take up any offerings there. Um, well, seriously, we don't. I don't know why I said that. Just, just to be awkward. Just to be awkward. Um, anyways, we would love to see you at that uh, right after the service, about 12.15. It's going to happen here. And um, all right. Uh, also, I want to give a huge shout out to the, uh, the youth team. On Thursday night, we had a, a night that was called Youth Revival Night. And uh, Pastor Aaron uh, LaRose who's a youth pastor from, um, from Home Church in Red Deer, a friend of mine, Pastor Jakin. Uh, they came with a couple of their team and, uh, and actually some other um, youth team from uh, other church in town here. And they just rocked it out. And it was an incredible night for the youth. Thank you, youth workers. Thank you for helping us with our teenagers. We love you. All right. Um, what are you guys doing, say, Wednesday around 7 o'clock? First Wednesday, the first Wednesday of every month, we come here, we worship. Um, there's worship and prayer ministry, actually, as well. I have a little teaching moment called One Tiny Branch. I just want you to grow one tiny branch on your spiritual tree before Christmas time. That's it. And anybody could do it. And so it's going to be a good word. We always say it like this. God sees your month and plans first Wednesday for you. Or you can go and do it and struggle all month if you want to. But everybody at first Wednesday is like, I'm smart. And I'd rather not struggle all month because God has a prophetic word for you um, to get you ready for the month that he has planned for you. Um, also, there's free child care there. That's what I was supposed to say. That child free child care. Yes. There is a God in heaven. Okay. Thanks, Sean. Um, today, I'm, I'm preaching a sermon. This is the final uh, sermon of our relationship series. Have you been enjoying it so far? I hope that you have. Uh, this one is, is about parenting, and I've called it Raising Not Awful kids. <laughs> Raising grammatically correct children. Um, nobody, nobody has ever had kids. And when you have, you know, if, if you have kids, nobody's ever had kids and thought to themselves, I'm really going to try to mess these little guys up. And if you did, you need to come talk to us ASAP. And we will take you to jail. Um, nobody has ever intentionally messed up their kids. But you see messed up kids all the time. Nobody has ever like intentionally set out to not raise kids properly. You know, um, in that sense. I mean, there are some bad parents out there. But I don't think that you're like bad parents. I just think that, that it's more than, than a good intention as far as uh, raising kids. Now, something happens. Your marriage fails or things happen in life, you know, or there's a financial pressure that adds weight to everything else in your life. I'm preaching a series next. I feel like in our economic times right now, I'm going to preach about money. Um, money talks. It's going to be budget part one and budget part two. Here's, here's what I think. Here's what I think. Because whatever your situation is, 
Financial pressure adds weight to everything else. It makes everything else much harder. And do you think God in heaven is looking at you as his child and being like, I hope that they struggle financially forever. He has a plan. He has all of the supply of heaven. So let's get our finances on track. And that takes a little bit of discipline. And that's going to be good. So it's going to be very practical as well, like most of the sermons. Now, um, you might not have kids. And you're like, well, this sermon isn't for me. Well, you know somebody with kids or you are a kid. Um, listen, be somebody's like fun uncle. Be somebody's funkle in the church. Man, you need parents. It's complicated raising kids these days. Come on, parents, say amen. Like it's complicated. So the parents need help. Like you need to be helping somebody raise their kids. You need to be serving in venue kids ministry. Um, you need to be serving in youth ministry. You need to be doing something that helps people with their kids right now. Um, and, um, and be the, be the funkle in somebody's life. I had a, um, a fun uncle named uh, Uncle Dean. Uh, my parents aren't here today. They're actually visiting my brother Ryan in Winnipeg. So I can say whatever I want to about Ryan. Now, um, what's this weird vibe about his brother? It's just a competition thing. Um, but my dad's younger brother, Dean, my mom left me with Dean. She made the mistake of leaving me with the Funkel for like an afternoon or something. And when, when, when I got back from that, or she picked me up or whatever, she noticed that there had been some changes to the, for the worse. Because Dean was the Funkel. He's still my favorite uncle because he's the fun uncle, right? Does anybody have a fun uncle out there? You're like, oh yeah, I know who you're talking about. It's cake and ice cream and no consequences, right? And so, um, so my mom picks me up and she's like, hey, Corey, give me a smack. And that, you, you don't talk like that nowadays, but back then that was like, kiss your mama if you wanna eat and live indoors. Give me a smack right there, give me a smack. And so because Dean had been like coaching me and like, hey, the next time your mom asks for a smack, give her one of these. And so I went, with the Coke smirk and just went. Mom's like, it was soft enough to know that you could still get buried in your own backyard, but like hard enough to be like, Dean. And um, so be somebody's funko. That was all, all that to say. You can really mess up other, other people's kids and that's okay. Um, Dean, I was eating a radish one time at a family reunion. True story. I still remember to this day. And Dean's like, boy, that'll put hair on your chest. And then he goes and shows me his chest. And I'm like, oh God, no. And I didn't eat radishes until I was out of high school. And I knew that physically that probably wasn't a thing, but I'm like, I'm not gonna risk it. And um, so mess up somebody else's kids. No, help somebody else with their kids. Now, here's what I wanna say. When your kids are small, you are raising them with what I call child raising theories. Theories. There are theories about child raising when your children are very small. Until they turn about 17 and the harvest comes in because it takes about that long. And so we are raising children with theories right now. Um, we are peer trying to peer help peer parent with all of our kids are the same age. And I'm like, that doesn't work because you're in the theory stage. Now I have a 20 year old girl who loves Jesus and isn't crazy. I have an 18 year old girl who loves Jesus and isn't crazy. My other ones are a bit crazy, but they still love Jesus. Now, now, until they're 17, you don't know how you did. And the problem with raising kids is you're experimenting with your theories on your own kids, which is stupid. Experiment on other people's children. Get somebody else over and 
but you were experimenting on your own kids and they're going to be supporting you later. And you don't know how you did until they're 17. And then they'll tell everybody how you did. They'll tell their psychologist forever how you did. They will complain to their spouse about how you did or how you didn't do. And so we're going to implement some parenting structure and some principles to help you with your kids. Now, back in the day, um, you know, there's a lot of parenting books out there. And my wife, Pastor Aaron, was, was reading a book about parenting. And this was back in the day when children were supposed to sleep like on their... We don't even know anymore because they change it every few years. Like, are they supposed to sleep on their stomachs? Or are they supposed to sleep on their backs? Or if they sleep on their sides, their heads are going to get all weird? Or I don't even know what it's, what's cool now. My grandma Cope, who is a very blunt lady, said, said, because we're like, I don't know, should our kids sleep on their bellies or on their backs? Or what's it, what's it? And she's like, where are you reading this? Like, where are you getting this? From a parenting book. She goes, parenting books? What's that? We're like, well, it's books that people write about parenting. She's like, I raised nine kids on the farm with a sick husband in a homesteading farm, and they lived. You know, I don't care about parenting books anymore. I'd like to read the book that their 25-year-old kid wrote about how their parents did. And so, um, so anyways, I mean, things are, parents today, I don't know how you guys are getting any sleep. Like you guys are probably like clinically insane right now because we didn't have like baby monitors. I know that you are. We didn't have like baby monitors in the way that you have them, you know? Um, so back when I was, when, when we were parenting, Arwen was, we put her in the other room because if you sleep in the same room as your baby forever, things get weird when they get like 13 and stuff. And I had a friend whose kid was still sleeping with them and I'm like, that is not good for anything, especially your marriage, that's weird. I'm like, so here's the thing. So Pastor Aaron is like, well, what if they stop breathing in the middle of the night? And I'm like, I can't tell if a baby is breathing when they're awake. Oh my goodness. <laughs> y'all now parents, you got baby like heart monitors and y'all got baby glucose monitors and you all got baby like eye blink, eye blink per minute monitors. And they're like, there's something wrong with my baby. I don't know how you guys are living anymore. You know what? God probably thought about that a long time ago and millions of babies were born without all that crap. And you need a little faith in parenting. And so it's okay. We'll help you. And you just got to get together with somebody whose parents or whose uh, kids didn't die. And they were allowed to do stuff that you won't let your kids do. Because y'all are helicopter parents and you need to relax a little bit. Um, there's so much I can say about that. But um, <laughs> remember the, the first time you let your kid cry themselves to sleep? Oh, you horrible monster. Whatever. Get your Facebook post ready. I'm not afraid of you. What are you going to do to me? My kids are already grown. Um, Arwen, she slept for the first two weeks, then she never slept again. And so Pastor Aaron was already a little crazy. And she was, you know, no, add no sleep to that. She was going super crazy. And, you know, the grandmas are like, just let her cry herself to sleep. She'll be fine. And so 45 minutes one night, she's in the next room. She's, she's screaming. She's hollering. And I fell asleep just out of guilt. I'm just in a guilt sleep. And I'm just like, oh, I got it. So I got it. Just kind of, you know. And so... And then the, the screaming gets turned off like a tap, just like, boom, screaming stop. And Aaron, you don't know this about Pastor Aaron, she screams, get in there! And I'm like, and I wake up, and I'm standing in over the crib looking at Arwen, and I realize she just tuckered herself, she just needed exercise. She didn't fall asleep. Ailish slept in the basement most of her babyhood. I mean, it messed her up a bit. 
Here's what I want to say. I think I want to take the pressure off of some of you because some of you didn't have good parents. And the only thing that makes a good parent is a good parent. Just get... I try to tell the venue gals, stop trying to make your man a better man if you're not a better man. Because it takes a better man to make a better man. You know what I'm saying? Like, so some of you didn't grow up with good parents. So how would you know how to discipline a child if you're making it up as you go? Or you're reading some random person's book about something that you don't see their kids. You don't know how they turned out. I want to say this to you. Nobody, I was an electrician by trade. Nobody is born an electrician. It takes training to not blow yourself up. And we're blowing our kids up because we think to ourselves that we naturally should be amazing parents when parenting is a skill, like love is a skill, and you gotta learn how to do it. Because lots of people doing it wrong because they're too proud to ask for help. So here's what I wanna say, get some parenting mentors and stop with the peer parenting because you're both in theories and you don't know yet. Go talk to somebody with a 17 year old and they can be like, oh, your theories don't work. you know, Or this one is great, but this one is not. And I would think about this. Um, and so, if you won't raise your kids, the devil would love to do it for you. Let me, uh, let me, let me get into this quote here. Letting kids, that's where the quote's supposed to go. Letting kids find their own path is not noble. It's called neglect. Think about this like you would almost think about Letting kids find their own path, it's not being noble, it's not being kind, it's not being nice, it's not being freeing, it's not being generous. It's called neglect. They're children. Let them find their own food. Let them find their own way to school. Let them find their own education. Let them find... Let them build a factory and make their own clothes. I mean... You've got to stop abdicating your role as a parent and raise those kids because God gave them to you and he's expecting you to do something with them. Can I say, how far should I go today? I'm going to say what everybody's thinking, but everybody's afraid to say it. If I go too far, you'll back me up, right? Okay, so like it's cute that your five-year-old wants to be a cat. It's a thing. It's cute until they're 25 and working for somebody. Like, I need you to, to get that client and tell them that the prices are going up and they're like, meow. <laughs> it's cute. It's cute, but somebody's got to have enough courage to tell them the truth because the truth will set them free and to be like, it's nice that you like cats and I go after cats all the time. Why would you want to pick to be a cat if you could be anything? Cats are like demonic, the spawn of Satan. Why would you pick a cat? Look, when a cat looks you in the eye, they're trying to get your soul out. Why would you pick a cat? I don't understand that. Uh, somebody actually showed up to the church with uh, cat ears today and she's 25. It was pretty funny at first. But I'm just like, listen, can we just, Raise kids with some wisdom and some common sense and somebody got to stand up and say something. And this is what just be like, oh no, it's cute, but see, and you see a cat walk by, you'd be like, that's what a cat is. You're not that. Little boys and girls are made in the image of God, just below the angels. Let's not let the enemy take them down to the level of animals if we can help it. Please. Listen, get him a cat. 
if that's what you want. But I'm just like, somebody got to say something. Um, here's why we won't tell them that, because they're unhappy and we don't. So what are you going to do? You're going to lie to them so that you don't hurt their feelings? Come on, parents, we can do better. We can raise kids who know who they are. Listen, I think that a lot of what's going on when I look at the kids and some of the stuff that's happening in schools right now, A, I think that the school systems forgot that we pay them their salary. And they're raising our kids. But the other thing I think is maybe they had to raise their, our kids because we weren't. And maybe that's on us. And so, listen, of course kids are casting about in all sorts of things. Their menu now that they're ordering off of is ridiculous, by the way. But the reason that they're doing that is maybe because you won't spend the time with them that you ought to. And when I go out with my daughters and, and I'm like, I work in the church with them sometimes. And like, it just brings all those conversations to where I, be, I can be like, that's not real, sweetie. That's not the way that God made you. This is, come on. This is the way that God made you. And let me help you find that. And oh no, don't listen to a five-year-old and their thoughts about things, everybody. They're five. They don't know anything. Sometimes they know when to go to the bathroom. So do you want to take, give them major life decisions to make when they're five? Like life-altering how, how far do you want me to go? Okay, are you going to back me up online or are you going to go out there and be like, local pastor speaks the truth? Listen, I know, I know like a five-year-old boy, I think it was four or five, and it was like, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up, Michael? And he's like, I want to be a fire truck. Well, don't hurt his feelings. Let him, let him be a fire truck if that's what, that's going to be a disappointing life experience, everybody. The first time a fireman jumps on you. Come on, man, we got firemen jumping on Hebrews chapter 12, my dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline and don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves, he disciplines. Now, it's the child God loves, he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. So there's two major thoughts in parenting here. You have to embrace children and you have to correct children. If you raise them only with embracing and only with nurture, correction is actually what brings the relationship back together. So you can nurture a child, but you can't nurture a child when it's time to discipline. In fact, discipline is nurture. But look at it like this. It says, the child he loves, he disciplines. Meaning, if he didn't love us, he wouldn't. And if we don't love, we won't. And I think we're just a little lazy. And I feel like the enemy has hit us with a bit of cowardice. That we're just afraid that if we're proactive about something, we might be wrong. Do you know what's worse than being proactive and being wrong? Doing nothing and being wrong. Because doing nothing is always wrong. Teaching your children not to make a decision and just to wait it out. And to... I think God can open a door to somebody who's moving, but I don't think he can do anything. It would be wasteful if he opened a door for you if you don't want to go anywhere. And so, is this just kind of helping you a little bit? Now listen. Another scripture says, if you spare discipline, you hate your son. Well, I don't hate my son, so I gotta figure discipline out. I gotta figure how, like, how do I, when do I embrace and when do I discipline? Uh, how does that look? Now, the only option left, if you want discipline, you ready? The only option left, and this is how parents are parenting, is to raise your kids with manipulation. Raise your kids according to how angry you get about stuff. It's the only option to raising your kids with well laid out discipline, a plan for their lives, the only other option is to raise them through manipulation, which is what we're doing right now. Trying to correct their behavior without correcting their behavior. Trying to correct their behavior, kind of like, 
in and out of there with manipulation and subtle pressure all in the wrong direction. I'm going to explain some of our parenting principles uh, to you in a minute here. Now, my dad took my discipline over when I was four in the worst decision day of Corey's life. Now, can I say, if you need help raising your kids, talk to Pastor Richard and Beth. They are old farming stock. They don't understand what drama is. They have no idea what's being taught out there right now. All they know how to do is raise kids who the world actually is going to miss, hopefully, when we're gone. Which is your purpose as a parent, by the way. And, um... <laughs> are you bragging about yourself? No, not really, because my parents raised me right, so what else could I do? You know what I'm saying? Train up a child on the way that they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. It's a promise from the Lord. And so, um, so my dad took over my discipline. Now, when I was four, I had this revelation that I was actually faster than my mother. I know you think that you, your son is the Antichrist. He is not. I was the Antichrist. So if you want to learn how to raise strong-willed children, just talk to Pastor Beth. She'll be like, oh, sweetheart, I got some tricks. Um, so anyways, but this particular day, um, I was, my mom was trying to lay hands on me and pray for me. And I'm like, oh, it'll be fun if I outrun her. And then I'm like, mom needs some traveling music. My mom is Irish, and we let Irish people come to church too sometimes. Now... My mom was Irish, and I'm like, she needs some traveling music. I could just, like, outrun her, outrun her, but I want her to, to be in the game a little. So I would just stay in front of her and sang this song from, I think it was the music machine. Have patience, have patience. Don't be in such a hurry if you get impatient. You only start to worry. It's the first time that I can remember the Holy Spirit talking to me. And he said, you idiot, stop running. Let her do whatever it is that she thinks she's going to do. Because the next word's out of her. And I, just, I, I ran away from the Lord that day. And my mom said words that forever changed my life. That if you have a good dad, you heard, wait until dad gets home. And I did. And he came home. Now, here's what I want to say. I grew up in a loving home with nurture and great discipline. I got a lot of discipline because I demanded it. <laughs> I'm like, I will make you discipline me today. You will find that I will force you. Listen, um, somebody's got a strong-willed kid and you're not a strong-willed person. Come, seriously, just go talk to Pastor Beth about it. Because if you get a strong-willed kid on the right, a kid on the right track, they will, they will hurt the devil. I'm telling you. But um, so, so all of this to say, I grew up in a home with loving discipline. I was never disciplined improperly in my memory ever. And can I tell you this? Can I tell you this? I remember those moments of discipline that I never felt more connected with my mother or my father. I never felt more loved than when they stopped the madness and disciplined me. I cannot remember a time in my life that I felt more loved and connected than when they stood up and they're like, that's enough. And they did what they said that they were gonna do. I've never had a bad experience with it. Now, some of you are gonna have to, cause the devil, you grew up with some abuse. Some of the things that, that they were, they called it discipline, but if you would tell me, I would be like, no, 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 that's manipulation, that's abuse. That's not really, that's borderline abuse, that's neglect. That's not discipline. Because discipline is restorative. That was straight up punishment. Listen, punishment, like discipline your kids before the cops show up. Because then by then it's too late. They need to take them out of circulation. 
because they're hurting themselves and they're hurting everybody else. So what we're trying to do is correct and correct and discipline is all restorative. It's all to bring people back into a relationship that's been broken, right? And so I've never had a bad experience. Now, Pastor Erin grew up in a different home. So she had to learn discipline when she was an adult. And she naturally, naturally, I knew how to discipline kids. Now we had to figure all the kids out because they're different. Their language is different. What works on one doesn't work on the other necessarily. And so the principles still work, but you got to figure that out. So she had to learn that later. And it was kind of, it was not how she was naturally thinking because she didn't see it in, in the home. Now her parents maybe did the best they could, but I would say it was more akin to like manipulation and walk around on eggshells to make sure everybody's like... Listen, the last thing you want is for your kid to be walking around on eggshells because you're in a mood. Their lives should have nothing to do with your mood at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, and here's the other thing. You should be in a good mood. Say amen, Benny Church. I'll go, I'll go with you if you want. Okay. Um, Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents when they're right. No, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. Now, parents... You gotta stop raising your kids according to how you think. You gotta raise them according to how God thinks because they're God's kids, they're not your kids. They're just, you're just stewarding them for a time. So my kids now, in the later stages of life, it's coaching. So I better be able to back up rules with like, hey, here's why. But when you're two, they don't get a here's why because they're two, they just need to stop it. And uh, so they can eat and live indoors. Uh, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord for this is the right thing to do. That was super weird. Um, honor your father and mother. This is the first command, commandment with a promise. The first commandment with a promise. You want to know what it is? If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Well, what if I didn't have a good father and mother? You can honor somebody who's not good. That doesn't mean that, like, well, what if they want me to rob banks? Don't. doesn't mean your father and mother are going to be right. It doesn't mean, but if you honor has nothing to do with who you're honoring, it has to do with you because you reap what you sow. I can still honor the, I can honor the government as positions of power. And you know what I'm saying? Without agreeing with what they're telling me to do sometimes. Sometimes I got to pick God, you know, but I can still honor the position. I can still like, no, honor is about me. It's not about you. It's about, I'm going to want to reap what I sow. You will live long in the earth. Um, now, so many things I want to say. I think I, I'm going to get into into, do you want to just, I'm just going to get to this, the seven things that I think this is good foundation for raising kids here. Let me preface all of this with like seven principles to raise kids. There's a lot more I could have put in here. Um, as you are disciplining your children or anybody, this works for work and stuff as if you're a vessel of discipline and correction, sometimes you have to, can I say this? Submit because as I correct somebody, God is trying to correct me very likely in the same area, but I don't think that it is. I think I'm the one doing the correcting, but God is actually at the same time trying to bring correction to my life and alignment to my life as I'm giving correction. If you don't apply this to you first and try to apply it to your children, you won't have authority and they won't do what you want because authority comes from obedience. Does that make sense? So it also keeps parents humble. Because then I can't just go and order everybody to do a bunch of stuff. Then I start making rules for them that I won't do. But honesty is honesty, parent. And you can't expect your child to be more honest than you are. You want your children to honor you, but you don't honor your boss? No, you already told them not to honor you. You know? Just okay. Number one, you ready? Always discipline bad attitudes. 
If they're old enough to have a bad attitude, they're old enough to be disciplined for it. Well, you're like, well, you don't understand what happened to them at school. I've had kids in school. What I do know is that you can't control what happens to a child every time, but they can control their reaction because if their reaction is sinful, it will get worse. I don't want them to get worse. I think that, I think Jesus was hurt and had a, and, and, and had a positive attitude about it. He hung on a cross. He didn't have a bad attitude about you whose sins put them there. No, he loved, he forgave, he chose these things. You're teaching, if they're old enough, always deal with bad attitudes. Now, my parents were great because, you know, there were broken windows and we were boys. Mistakes didn't have as much of the thing. If it wasn't a defiant mistake, it was just like a mistake mistake because we were kids. Um, somebody had to fix the window, but we didn't get like disciplined for a mistake when we were young. Now, if you're older and you know better, that's a little bit different because you're dealing with attitudes and defiance and all of those things. Okay. Um, a bad attitude is not a mistake, it's a choice. They can respond in a godly fashion so that even pain that happens to them in this world, God can turn it around if they decide to have a good attitude and believe in God and have faith, God can turn it around and make their lives great even when bad things happen to them. Come on. Um, number two, a little thing I've called cold hard math. This will work in your marriage too, if you have the guts. Every conflict, bring back when the emotion has drained out of everybody. Because all the, all the crap you say when you're angry, three hours later or three days later when you've got to revisit that conversation or they have to revisit the sister that they punched in cold hard math. Now you can't, if you have a three-year-old child, you can't like wait too long because then they have no idea why you're disciplining them. Like, so you have to tailor this to the age of the children as well. But you have to revisit when a seven-year-old and an eight-year-old get in a fight. Bring it back to that and sit them down and be like, okay, so you said this and you said this and then you punched this and then you threw that. Bring it back in cold, hard math because it brings humiliation into children and that brings humility. And then the next time what you'll do is you'll start training them to be thinking about that ahead of time because nobody wants to sit there and tell their husband afterwards like, I'm sorry that I said I hate you. There's no getting around like, oh, you took it that way. No, there's really only one way to take that one, everybody. Is this helping you? You will teach your kids what maybe your parents didn't teach you is that you are on the hook for your responses. And bring it back so that we act like normal human beings. And look, you can argue about something and still honor the other person and not be a crazy psychopath. Three people think that that's possible. Okay, number three, you ready? Always do what you say. So if you say, I'm going to take your arms away from you. If you touch your brother in the car one more time, you got to do it. <laughs> you know, the first thing is like, don't say crazy stuff to your kids. Don't threaten them when you're angry with stuff that you're never going to do. And don't threaten them with anything that you shouldn't do. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> smart. That's good parenting. Thank you, Pastor Corey, for saying stuff. Okay. Um, consistency is strength. So, so don't. Don't wait till you're in the middle of a discipline moment to decide what's going to happen. You should have thought about that ahead of time. And like, God, if you're married, get everybody on the same page. I had a, a venue mom talk to me last night. Like, hey, we're having attitude problems with one of our kids. And, and I said, I'm going to go talk to pastor. And she's like, oh my goodness, no. That'll straighten a kid up. Hey, your kids need to know that they will be discussed outside of their home. And they won't be there. Or they'll trap you in there because they're smarter than you are. They'll trap you in there. 
They'll get, you remember your childhood when your parents were too proud to go and bring it up to somebody else and be like, I don't know what we're doing with this kid. We got to figure this one out because come on. It's good for them to know that like, hey, you are a child and your name will come up in conversation because we haven't figured you out yet. And your behavior, we care enough about you to talk about you with somebody who might be able to help us. And she did. And it's going to be great for her kids. Okay. Um, and don't tell your kids you're going to take their arms away. Number four, never discipline angry. Ever. Ever. You, how are you going to discipline them for anger when you're angry? You've got to calm down. You've got to bring it down. You've got to, you are unfit to discipline a child when you are angry. So, and sometimes we just get angry. So you're just going to have to like go for a walk. You're just going to have to hit pause. You're going to have to think about it ahead of time and expend whatever energy you have to, to not discipline that child angry. I heard somebody say to a child, like, careful, I'm getting angry. You better stop your behavior. And I'm like, what are you telling them really? Like marry an angry person. And then do whatever they want when they get mad, because angry people are right. I don't want my kids to respond to an angry person ever and do what they want. Anger? No. We don't, the Bible says we don't go with angry people. Man, they, destruction. They destroy things. I don't want to hang around with somebody who's a destroyer. All right, is this helping you? Hang around with parents who will help you discipline your kids before life gets chaotic like why wait till the 17th time you've nagged that child why don't you deal with it on the third time so you just need some practical parenting help and how do we get here number five don't make discipline about you it's never about you it's about your child as long as it's about you you're not giving them power it is empowering as a child when my parents would say here are your choices choose life because ice cream is over here and choose death and more dishes. If you choose this path of having a bad attitude with your mother, maybe you won't. And you don't get the privileges of... This, this is going to help somebody. This is going to help somebody. It's empowering for your child to be given their options. And then all you're there to do is just execute what you talked about already. So sit them down and be like, okay, so the next time you punch your brother in the face... This is what's going to happen to you. And that is your decision. I don't want to do this, but like, this is up to you. And it has to be something that makes sense. So get help with that. It can't be like over the top crazy. I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> like, seriously, there's some weird crap out there. And listen, the enemy wanted you to have a bad experience with what your parents called discipline, which was actually abuse so that you wouldn't discipline your children because he still wins in the end anyways. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You've got to be like, no, 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 that wasn't discipline. That was crazy. That was manipulation. But... It's like, hey, if you punch your brother in the face, then this is what's going to happen the next time. And then the next time you're like, I guess that's what you wanted. That's what my dad said. Like, I guess you wanted this. I'm like, I guess I did. <laughs> no, seriously. I would remember like, yeah, no, he's right. I, I picked it. And that's not me. Um, you got to create artificial pain points. Because they're going to be hanging out with people who are takers later that are not going to be caring for them. So artificial pain points is like your child is running across the, the street they're going to get hit by a car because they're chasing a ball. So take their ball away. Be like, the next time that happens, you're not going to be playing with that ball. I'm going to take it away from you for a week or whatever. Well, I mean, would you rather your child get hit by a car? So it hurts. You're like, oh, that's cruel. I'm like, you know what's even worse is watching your child get hit by a car because you were too lazy to do anything about it. Okay. Um, come on, worship team. Number six. I'm just about done. Obedience over discernment. Teach your child to obey first. Watch. Um, put up that thing. 
Children must be taught obedience before they're taught how to think or they'll fall for the sin of Eden. Hugely important. Teach your children to obey first so that they can live long enough to think. Thinking must be based, it says, in the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We are teaching our children at the age of five to make life-altering decisions when they can't get their own pants on and tie their shoes. Teach them to obey first. Give them direction. Tell them where they need to go. I tell our youth team, I'm like, direct kids and correct them. Don't just suggest things. Be like, do not go to a party where this is happening. That's crazy. Your life will go into destruction. And you'll do the things that I regret in my life that I wish somebody would have just been like, stop it. Don't do that. Do this. Oh my goodness. It's so good for you. All right. Um, last thing. Are you ready? My favorite point. Disagreement might be the highest form of love. Everything out there right now is saying, agree with me or you hate me. God looks at your life and he's like, I want to make some changes. Does he hate you? Maybe he's the only one honest enough to risk you rejecting him by telling you the truth so that you can live and have a long life on this earth and, and live and get your destiny. Disagreement, having the courage to disagree and be like, I don't think that that's right. Might be the highest form of love in the right context. Last verse, those who disregard discipline despise themselves. But the one who heeds correction gains understanding. Take that scripture and say this, if I teach my children and I help parents teach their children to regard discipline, they'll love themselves. The reason kids are messed up is because they don't love themselves because nobody's disciplining them. They despise discipline because you taught them to despise discipline. Teach them to love discipline. When you discipline a child and they get it right, and they're like, hey, you paid your debt to society. There's no manipulation here. Like, you paid your debt. You stayed in your room. You did the thing. You apologized. You fixed the broken window. Okay, good job. I'm proud of you. And the next time they decide not to punch their brother in the face, I saw, I saw the decision you made. Great job. You're teaching them to love discipline. You did, the, you did the right thing. Thank you for doing the right thing. I appreciate you. If you teach them to love discipline, they will love themselves. Now, I want to end with a celebration song because my dad... We have a baptism coming up. Somebody in the room needs to get baptized. And uh, just go to the brick wall and we'll give you some information so you can see what that looks like and, and find out what all that entails. Now, my dad, you know why I got baptized as a boy? Because my dad gave me instruction. He said, decide to follow Jesus with your life, son. It's the best life that you're going to live. He said, I think it's time for you to get baptized. What do you think? And I'm like, I love Jesus. And I'm going to follow your direction for my life because it's the right direction for my life. And that's why I got baptized when I was a kid. So anyways, I just want to leave that with you. And you need to like explore baptism. We'd love to help you with that. All right, let's go.